This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We're here on Tuesday, March 7th. We're doing kind of a a special edition of this because it was the first day of Ohio State's spring practice on Tuesday morning, and we were out there. So we're going to dive into a bunch of stuff on that, what we saw. We also talked with Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, and the quarterbacks after practice. So plenty to talk about today. We wanted to get you a post-practice happy hour. And so Two guys I was at the Woody with, Dave Biddle, Steve Hellwagon. It's been like a whole hour, hour and a half since I've seen you guys, but uh, thanks yeah, for having me, boys. Yep, and I got my prop right here. I got my. Oh, there you go. My prop right here. Nice. Steve's got go. a Corona. I am just drinking water today. I've got uh, got a lot to do. I've got a soccer game tonight, so I need to. I I want what Steve's having, but right now I'm doing the Diet Mountain Dew. I'm actually Steve, drinking water. Steve, after we do this, I'll be right over. <laughs> well, guys, it was nice to be back over at the Woody today and for actual football, not games, but practice. We're talking about practice happening. The last time we were there was just for interviews, so there was certainly more to take from today. Uh, just in general, what what was your one or two biggest takeaways? Dave, we'll start with you be it interviews, be it from what we saw of about 30 minutes of practice, what were a couple things that, that stood out to you that we should touch on? Yeah, Davis and Igbenusen at corner is the number one thing as far as personnel-wise. Like, you know, he's every bit of six foot two. He looks like he's more like six foot three. 
And one thing about Ohio State that we know, I, I mean, whether you're talking about high school basketball official rosters or any other college football team official rosters, they tend to embellish. You look at Ohio State, they're like one of the very few the official roster does not embellish. Just look, yeah. at, the, look at the combine measurements. That they're almost exact. In fact, Paris Johnson Jr. was listed at 6'6 here and goes to the combine and measures at 6'6 and a half. My point is, uh, he's not just listed at 6'2. He's out there. He, he's got, and you asked the questions to both Ryan Day and to Jim Knowles. I mean, he's 6'2, probably more like 6'2 and a half. Also has the long arms to match, has that experience of not just playing in the SEC, but starting in the SEC. So that guy stood out to me. And um, I know we're going to, there's so many things that we're going to talk about, but I, I have to admit, the other thing that really stood out to me the most was Devin Brown wearing the number 33. And it's not just a spring fling, so to speak. You know, he's he's honoring Sammy Ball, who was the first uh, quarterback inducted into the Professional Football Hall of Fame. And uh, Devin Brown wore the number 33 growing up playing football until he got to high school. Um, so, um, seriously, I mean, he's and it sounds like he's going to keep it, not just this year, but throughout his collegiate career, the way he talked about it. So, not often does a number change um, get that much, um, you know, at least uh, doesn't pique my interest that much. But when you see a quarterback wearing the number 33, and I tell you guys, I don't know what you think. At first I was like, oh, that's, that's that looks strange. It looks weird. Then I, the more I thought about it, the more I watched it, I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then Lynn learning about the Sammy Ball like uh, angle. Like, I actually like it. So there's a lot of other stuff we're going to get into. Davis, Davis and Igba is certainly item number one. But I had to throw in uh, our guy Devin Brown wearing the number 33. Yeah, I was, I was really confused why Jack Sawyer was wearing a black jersey at first. <laughs> that was my thought too. What's so going on? One more thing. It's kind of like when we first got out there, we're like, Sonny Styles is playing corner now. Yeah. Yeah. wears number twenty, and they hadn't changed the roster yet. Sonny Styles has changed the six, so we're like, oh my gosh! Like Sonny Styles is playing corner. It's like, no, that's Igbe Newson, and then number six over there, that's Sonny Styles. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. slightly yeah. taller, uh, yeah. looks a bit more familiar. Steve, yeah. what about you? What were what were a couple of your big takeaways? Yeah, there was a lot to like there. Uh, just talent in every direction that you look. I mean, JT Tui Maloao and Jack Sawyer look like they're ready to to uh, wreak a lot of havoc this upcoming year. Um, I like to see a little bit more beef with the defensive tackles. They're in depth too. That wasn't a real deep group right now, but. Uh, they're they're working really hard with Larry Johnson with some different drills that we haven't seen him do before, using medicine balls and different things like that. So we'll see how that translates uh, to getting off the ball and getting in the backfield and making some plays. Um, so many new guys. I mean, it was just it was like you needed a roster just to figure out you know all the new guys and a few number changes as well. But um, you know, Jelani Thurman is a tight end, 6'6", 253 pounds from Georgia. My goodness, he passes, he passes the look test, as our friend Coop, who was there on the sideline, uh, would say. He, if a, and if a dog is going to bite you, he's going to bite you as a pup. Remember that. Oh, you want to gamble? Steve, you want to gamble? You want to gamble with my chips? Yeah, so let's do uh, cubisms for the rest of the show. Yeah, we, we don't, don't catch up till you don't catch up with you until it catches up. Till it does, yeah. Trayon Henderson was out there uh, warming up and going through a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but 
uh, they definitely want to bring him along slowly. And uh, Coach Day even talked about how in the winter he got so juiced up he jumped in the middle of the mat drills with a walking boot on, and they like, like no, bro, you need to you need to watch, not participate. You need to heal. Uh, healing is more important. Um, it sounds like the linebacker, there's going to be some people get some opportunities because Tommy Eichenberg is not uh, available this spring. And I don't think his position's in jeopardy or anything, but I think that opens the door for Cody Simon, who kind of got shoved aside a little bit last year. And uh, also uh, the big time uh, freshman from last year, CJ Hicks, now a sophomore. Those two guys might get a little bit of run. So uh, I liked what I saw. I didn't get to see a lot of the offensive line because they were kind of over in the corner and I didn't make it down there a whole lot. But I did see Luke Montgomery, number 51, out there, and he looked good. So a true freshman. And as I said, a lot of new guys and a lot to try and keep up with. And one more thing I left out that I want to say is just all, you know, a lot of the guys that just added weight. I mean, it's just all over the team. It's just, you can see like, for example, Carson Hinsman going from 290 to 300, even Devin Brown, you know, adding uh, a few pounds and looking stronger out there. Caden Curry adding about 10 pounds. We could go on and on. Kenyatta Jackson was listed at 235 pounds last year. The defensive end at 235 pounds. Kenyatta Jackson now listed at 252 pounds. 17 pounds heavier so I could go on and on but that's another thing I encourage everybody um it, I'm like a kid in the candy store when the new like roster comes out I just I love looking at football rosters I just love it and especially the new rosters with the new numbers and the new weights so a lot of guys added I think some good weight and you have some guys that needed to lose a little bit of pounds that, that did that they wanted hero canoe to be more like 305 he's exactly 305 so uh and he's a guy to me Hero Canoe needs to play a lot as a backup this year. Now, I want Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams as the starters, obviously. And they, you know, I want them out there, you know, a lot of snaps. But I want Hero Canoe playing the third most snaps at D tackle. Yeah. Anybody who wants to look at the roster, I posted it on the front row. And Pat and I both posted it to Twitter, I believe. So either check out our Twitter handle or uh, go on the front row message board. And if you right click the image uh, to open it in a new, tab you might be able to print it out and uh, get a good copy of it if that's what you'd like to do so yeah, and if you have any questions about stuff we saw or, or things you've heard from from our site or others feel free to throw them if you're watching this live throw them in the chat we'll try and answer some questions if there are any a uh, couple things that that i saw that you guys haven't touched on you've touched on a lot of the stuff ryan day as trying to be this more uh handling the whole team as opposed to just to the offense and specifically the quarterbacks. He was asked about that, but I noticed too, at least for the 30-ish minutes we were out there, Ryan Day was moving around a lot more. He wasn't just over with the offense. And I think the the one-year Jim Knowles as the head coach of the defense isn't as much of a thing anymore. And, and we'll see. Ryan Day even admitted he ended up finding himself back over with the offense way more and working with the quarterbacks and whatnot. But you can tell he, he made a concerted effort to try and be more of a floater during practice, get over with some of the defensive guys, be a part of the defensive drills, at least from what we saw. Um, then a couple comments that we heard from the coaches. Uh, I'm sure people have seen this. It at least was a big thing on our message board. Marvin Harrison at punt returner. I don't think this is a big deal. He was literally just standing there catching punts. He wasn't returning them. Now Ryan Day was asked about it and said that they want to see what Marvin can do 
other than what they already know. They know he can run routes. They know he can catch the ball. Uh, you want to have your best guys playing. Now, if you get to the fall and you're having Marvin Harrison go back there at punt return, I think we're allowed to be a little bit outraged because that means, A, you're putting Marvin in more risk, and B, other guys haven't stepped up to be that kind of explosive athlete at punt returner. But I wouldn't read into that too much right now. He was literally just standing 60 yards from the ball and catching it every fifth kick. So not a huge deal. Dave, you mentioned Igbenosin, which I thought was big. Uh, he quite literally the running back room. I did not expect Mayan Williams to be going full go given not that he was supposed to be out, just, you know, he didn't play more than like five snaps against Georgia and was clearly banged up most of the year. So good to see him back out there. Um, defensive side of the ball. I think you guys touched on a lot of it, but uh, th there's certainly some depth issues this spring that I think we could touch on a little bit. Like at linebacker, the second group is already using walk-ons just because of the injuries. Uh, you know, quarterback, you don't have a ton of depth. Running back, you don't have a ton of depth. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage this and maybe even what the spring game looks like. Does this, you know, they actually go and compete for a spring game or is it one of those years where they kind of do some like live reps, but it's not an actual game. I, I'll be interested to see how Ryan Day kind of manages the depth throughout the year, um, throughout the spring. I mean, um, and a, a question here, and I was just going to touch on this and I'm curious about your guys' thoughts. Ray Day asks, how did the first year slash backup wide receivers look? Um, I didn't see a ton of them, but Ryan Day made that comment about the second year receivers have to look out for this freshman group. Steve, what, and I'll go with Dave afterwards, but Steve, to me, that that's kind of an, not alarming in a bad way, but uh, maybe a wake-up call to some of these second-year receivers that, hey, this this is a star-studded group coming in, and you guys better be ready. How did you take a comment like that? Yeah, and it's interesting that in his comments, Devin Brown said that uh, Caleb Brown, who's one of those second-year guys, uh, may have suffered an injury of some sort, uh, probably a non-contact injury you know, maybe a twist or a sprain it, or something. Was it today. Brown or Burton? He said Caleb Brown. Okay. I thought Caleb I Burton. Burton. Okay. Oh, it was Caleb Burton? Yep. Okay, I thought he said Caleb Brown. So, any rate, yeah, you, you've got uh, uh, Caleb Burton, Caleb Brown, Kojo Antwi, and uh, Kion yeah, Grace. Right. Yeah, yep. those are the four that came in last year that didn't get a lot of run, you know, as true freshmen. And now you've already got uh, the incoming freshmen who have arrived. Uh, Carnell Tate is there. He's number 17, if you see any of our videos or photos. And then number 80 is Noah Rogers. He's already there uh, as well. So, uh, you know, those two guys in particular have enrolled early and are going to push uh, their way into the two deep and or try to and we'll see if uh any of those second year guys can uh, can can also do the same to me building depth at wide receiver is very important because you don't want uh Ibuka or Marvin Harrison Jr to break down because they're playing way too many snaps and it's real easy for them to do that in this offense where they're they're running you know 30 40 yards on every play after a while there's a there's a there's a limit to uh, to how much one player can do. So, uh, to me, uh, you want those guys fresh and making plays in the fourth quarter, and um, you know building some depth there. Brian Hartline didn't play much depth there last year, so uh, to me, I think that's a, a critical area on this team. And I do expect Tate and Rogers in particular, you know, to be guys who 
who do uh, do kind of push their way through there. Yeah, and you know, Bryson Rogers is another that is the other one that's enrolled early, and then they're going to wait on Brandon Ennis, who I think, you know, my gosh, if he was here, especially in spring, I think there'd be a good chance he'd play a lot in the slot, even as a true freshman, uh, and they could move a Mecca uh, to the outside. Also have Julian Fleming, and obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. being the number one. But we'll see with Ennis not getting here till June. We'll see about that. But yeah, those were damning statements from Ryan Day, in my opinion. Um, putting the second-year wide receivers on notice like that, uh, I won't be surprised if a guy like Caleb Burton uh, transfers after spring. Uh, you know, if if it doesn't look like it's in the cards that he's going to play much now, he was a guy that was a you know a four-star recruit originally. He was a five-star. He was a number one early on in the process. He was a number one rated wide receiver in the country. Burton was, and then he you know fell down a little bit. Um, Kind of a slight wide receiver. I remember thinking, like, oh, he's, I thought he was a little bigger than, you know, than what he actually is. So we'll see. I think probably two of those guys are, are going to have a role this year. I don't know if it's going to be Keon Grays or Caleb Brown or Kojo Antwi. But I think two of those guys will, will be able to get in the mix a little bit. Um, but those were damning comments. It's clear to me, and, and the rankings bear this out, but it's clear to me this true freshman class of wide receivers, both classes have – I had four receivers in them. Um, so the, the 2023 crop of wide receivers is a clearly a better class than the crop of 2022. But, you know, I mean, Brian Hartland's recruiting at a crazy elite level when that class of 2022, we're looking at it as not uh, on Ohio State standards. But, yeah, I mean, Ryan Day made it clear that, that those true freshmen are already making waves. So uh, we'll see what happens. Now, if the as we all know, if the top wide receivers all stay healthy, it's probably a moot point anyway because Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka and Julian Fleming and Xavier Johnson are really going to get you know pretty much all the snaps in big games anyway. You know we've we've seen it time and time again. Nothing's changed ever since Brian Hartline's been the wide receiver coach. It's not going to change this year. So if those guys stay healthy, then it really doesn't matter. Jaden Baller is another one, even though he's a third year guy. They kind of lumped in there with those second-year guys. Like, now's your opportunity. Julian Fleming's missing spring. You know, Emeka Ibuka's missing spring. Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't need to do anything this spring he's the best wide receiver in college football. Day even said Xavier Johnson's going to be limited this spring. Just pitch count because he's played a lot of football already. He's not hurt. So now's the time. If you're a key on Grays, now's the time to seize the opportunity. If you don't, you might be on the outside looking in. I thought it was a little bit of an indictment on them last year when – they needed somebody to step in for Jackson Smith and Jigba, and you went with Xavier Johnson. And this isn't to say anything negative about Xavier Johnson because he certainly worked his way from a, a former walk-on into scholarship player, into a guy who you know contributed against Georgia. But when, when scholarship guys, guys who were recruited to play here on scholarship, aren't getting at least looks over a guy who was a walk-on, uh, that says something about the progression of some of those players. So – Maybe we should have read into that already. Uh, flipping over to the defensive side, one of the positions I think we talked about the most last offseason was the Jack position. And uh, I think it was a waste of time because they, as Jim Knowles said, they used it about 15% of the time last year. He does intend to use it more this year, it sounds like, but they're not going to do a ton with spring. But the biggest thing and, and maybe the best thing that, that Jim Knowles said when it came to the Jack position was, Jack Sawyer not playing Jack right now. He is going to focus at defensive end. If you missed it in February, Larry Johnson, Dave, you and I talked about this recently on the BM5. Larry Johnson was sitting at one table saying he thinks Jack Sawyer should be a, uh, a defensive end. 
Jim Knowles was saying that, that, well, you know, not so fast tonight. Sounds like they've come to an agreement. Steve uh, Mitchell Melton back will, will help with that. He's a guy who, who can play that position. But what do you make of, of Jack Sawyer focusing fully on defensive end, obviously the position he was recruited at, and what that could mean for the Buckeye front? I think it's huge. I think he was a man without a country last year. They kind of like moved him around and said, go try and find the ball and uh, tried to believe that he had been programmed with some kind of sixth sense to know where the ball was going to go. And it just didn't work out very well. And I don't think it was really his fault or the coach's fault or anything, just an experiment that didn't yield as many uh, results as everybody would have hoped and a lot to put on a young player uh, to, uh, you know, to freelance in a stint, in a sense, I think that this will simplify the game for him and he will be able to just concentrate on one task and one task alone. And that's being the guy in front of him and go hunt down whoever's got the football. And um, I think he's ready. He looked like he was in the best shape he could possibly be. He's always looked great, but he looked even better. I thought today, and now he's got that look of a veteran, that confidence in his eye that I know what I'm doing. I know I'm the best player on the field, or I could be the best player on the field, and I have to go play like it. And I think that that is going to bode uh, really well for Ohio State. I think if those two guys on the outside can set the tone on a consistent basis and they can get away with only using for me in pressure, it just means so much more for the, the back seven and uh i'm i'm excited to see uh again Caden curry is another guy at that position who's lapped on some weight they've got him listed here at 6'3 259 i think he's actually bigger than that it looked like to me maybe an inch taller and maybe another 10 pounds he seemed like he was pretty good size but 260 is not bad i suppose but uh, at any rate i um i'm i'm excited about it i think uh you know, it's time for Ohio State to get back to doing what it does best, and that's that's just making things real difficult on the opposing quarterback by uh, collapsing the pocket. And I think they got the right guys to do it. You you look all across that field, guys. They've got everybody, a lot of guys that are in their third year that want to be at that combine next year, and that's Sawyer and Harrison and Ibuka. I mean, you know, Tui Malowal. There's four of them right there. And uh, probably a host of others. I mean, dare I say, you know, Kyle McCord, if he has some kind of incredible season, could be in that mix as well. So uh, there's a lot of guys. Travion Henderson, another one. So uh, this is going to be a fun year. I mean, these guys are uh, – so they came out today as – it was a work day. It was not a, you know, trot out there in our pretty uniforms and, you know, you know, make it look like we're doing something. It was, it was a football day. I, I, I liked what I saw. Yeah, no syllabus day on the first day of spring practice. Dave, while we're talking about the Jack position, who are the guys you think – I mentioned Mitchell Melton. Jim Knowles talked about a couple others. Who can get that position to where it needs to be for the Buckeyes in your mind? Yeah, it could be Caden Curry. You know, I, I think he's a guy that, that could uh, fill that role well. I think, you know, Mitchell Melton, if healthy um, – Almost a year removed from that injury in the spring game. Uh, it's good to see him back. Even though he's not at full speed, he's going through position drills. Uh, won't be scrimmaging when they scrimmage and do things like that. Won't go through team 11-on-11 11 11 drills. But, um, you know, the bottom line, though, and maybe you can, maybe you can say C.J. Hicks. You're going to find a role for him. But the bottom line is I, 
And they're not even practicing it this spring. And Knowles talked around it a little bit, saying we're just going to work on fundamentals Then maybe we'll use it in the fall. Like if you're not doing it, practicing it at all in the spring, which he said they're not, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, that they're even going to use it more than they did last year, which as you mentioned, they use it 15% of the time. I would take the under on that. So I think, you know, um, I don't want to say it's irrelevant because you never know when they, they might bust it out and I could be wrong and they, it could be a big part of the defense, but I don't think it will be this year. To answer your question, though, I do think Caden Curry is a guy that can play that role, Mitchell Melton and C.J. Hicks. But I think it's great that Jack Sawyer um, – You know, that's one of the things I definitely have written down in my notes. I think it's great that Jack Sawyer is now just D.E. Sawyer. You don't call him Jack Sawyer, right? He's not playing the Jack anymore. He's D.E. Sawyer. Just put your hand in the ground and go get it. And I agree with Steve. I think he might have even bulked up a little bit too much last year. He still listed at 265, as, which is what he was listed at last year. But he just looks like a little bit more flexible to me this year. Maybe he put on, I think he was around 240 as a true freshman and adds like 25 pounds and just swolled up. Like, I think he might have been a little too stiff last year and playing out of position. So uh, I don't think he's going to be a superstar this year, but I, I think he's going to do well as that uh, starter opposite of AT2 um, Another guy I want to touch on, Sonny Styles. You know, I asked both Ryan Day and Jim Knowles about him. It sounds to me, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, because they're not going to speak in absolutes. I basically just threw it out there like, do you need to find a starting role for this guy? Like, is it just like, we gotta, whatever happens, Sonny Styles must start. Like, and, you know, they didn't say yes, but they basically did. So, they didn't say no. Um, they definitely didn't say no. It was like, it was more of a yes than a no for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, you know, I just think, and one more thing, I think Dave's comments, Ryan Day's comments on depth on the defense line was interesting. He really likes the starters, and he says he kind of likes half of the two deep. So he's like, they got about six guys that they like on defensive line. So they're not thrilled about the depth, but they really like the top six guys. Yeah, same with the linebacker, it sounded like, too. There's there's obviously the starters coming back and, and maybe a guy or two behind them, but they need they want more depth there. And, and Jim Knoll even talked about rotating more, having – not having basically two guys play all of the snaps at that position. Uh, Steve, I know you got some stuff to do. You need to get out of here. Yep. I'm uh, working on the Ryan Day story, trying to get that most of what he said out there because it was a lot of great stuff. It was very much focused on what's going on with the team in 2023. There wasn't a lot of extraneous issues and NFL combine and, you know, silly stuff it was it was primarily football which i think everybody here appreciates and uh, working on that and working on some photos our guy dan arker took a bunch of photos today as did i and i know dave shot some videos as well that uh, can be posted as well so we've got a ton of stuff uh, out there and a ton still coming so uh, don't touch that dial buck nutters and uh, we love each and every one of you and you got any questions or anything, post them on the message board and we'll do our best uh, to get them. Did my chat last night. Uh, it was a little bit light. Didn't have as many questions as I normally have, but we still got about 3,000 words worth of stuff, about half our normal inventory last night. So I need people to come stocked up next Monday with the, the questions. Oh, and the Murph man and myself, we're headed off to the Windy City tomorrow to follow Ohio State basketball. So there you go. Yeah. Yep, we are. All right, Steve. Well, good to see you all later. All right. Yeah. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, Dave, not too happy we're leaving him here in Columbus for Chicago. Not because he wants to come to Chicago. He just no. wants some help at uh, practice on Thursday, which I really wish they would just plan better. You know, they, if they just put spring break a week later, they could add spring practice this week. 
Buckeyes aren't going to make the NCAA tournament. It would have worked out great. We would have had plenty of stuff to do, and then you could have come home and watched basketball all day. But it is what it is. Anyway, let's get back to football. Um, I was thinking about this, Dave, while I was driving home. I think we've talked about it a lot. We took, you know, we spent the last time you were on here talking about the offensive line. So we don't need to go into like too much detail. But is the offensive line the biggest question mark, biggest storyline for this team? I know there's the quarterbacks, which obviously takes up a lot of attention. And then there's stuff, especially on the back end of the defense, which I want to get to too, because I thought some Jim Knowles had some interesting comments on it. But like, if you don't get the offensive line right, that could just ruin the whole, you know, the, the whole offense. If it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, if you're not protected, it doesn't matter the receivers or running back. Is that the most important thing, at least on the offensive side of the ball, for Ohio State to, to figure out this offseason in your mind? Let's include the defense, too. I, I think it is the biggest concern on the entire team. And they have the pieces there. I think if they stay relatively healthy, they're going to be okay. And maybe they'll be better than that. But it is a concern. I mean, they to lose guys. And now Luke Whippler's it seems like what he did at the combine, they're saying second round lock. He's even getting some late first round buzz, which surprises me. DeWan Jones getting late first round buzz. I still think those guys will probably be second round picks. My point is Ohio State's losing a first round pick and probably two second round picks on their offensive line. And they haven't recruited like gangbusters. So we'll see what happens. Um, Josh Fryer, uh, repping at left tackle, uh, listed at 6'6", 320. I like Josh Fryer. Having both guards back is nice. Donovan Jackson, listed at 6'4", 320. Uh, you got a lot of meat on that left side. Um, I'll get to center in a second. Uh, right guard, you have Matt Jones back as a sixth-year senior, the super senior, 6'4", 315 pounds. Um, and then the two spots that I'm going to be keeping a really close eye on, as everybody is, is going to be center and right tackle. What's going to happen there? They got good battles there uh, at center. It's between Vic Cutler, the transfer from Louisiana Monroe, who entering his fourth year, but still has two years of eligibility left, which is nice. Um, and Carson Hinsman, redshirt freshman. It's going to be one of those guys. And then Jacob James will, will enter the fray uh, this fall when he gets back from injury. But uh, I think it's going to be either Vic Cutler or Carson Hinsman. We'll see what happens. And then at right tackle, Again, they're rotating. We weren't out there for that long, but um, sounds like Zen Mahalski, uh, third-year sophomore, uh, was getting, you know, was the first one out there. And then Tegra Shabola uh, listed at – I mean, this guy's a man-child. I mean, again, and I love how how we can actually, like, count on this. So Tegra Shabola listed at six foot six, what, 337 pounds. I mean, it's just – this guy is a man excuse, – excuse me, 327 pounds. Six foot six, 327 pounds. So it's going to be between Zen Mahalski – who's 6'7", 315, looks taller than that to me, and Tegra at right tackle. So, again, it's not catastrophic. Like, I think they can um, – Justin Fry, we might look back on and say, this was actually a good offensive line. But is it the biggest concern on the team? It absolutely is. But, yeah, quarterback's the biggest storyline, but I feel like um, whoever wins that job is going to do really well. I think Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, they're going to battle it out. And whoever wins that job, I think, is going to play well, like I, really well. Not as well as maybe C.J. Stroud this past year. I'm not saying they're going to be a Heisman finalist, but whoever wins that job I think is going to play not good or not very good, but the great college football, like first-team All-Big Ten type stuff. Um, and then the defense, of course, is a huge story. They cannot do what they did last year and just be over-aggressive. And it's weird. that I, I love aggressive defenses. I love playing man press, you know. And But, you know, you, you got to, you know, pick and choose your, your spots too. And 
that was supposed to be Knowles' calling card was, you know, he, he mixes, mixes things up well. Well, he didn't mix them up well enough against Michigan and Georgia, and it cost them. And uh, they've got to figure out a way to still not go away from who they are, to be what they are now, what they want to be, which is an attacking, tough, physical defense that's going to be aggressive, that's going to mix things up. But also, mi- mixing things up also includes knowing when to back off the throttle a little bit. So, um, yeah, a lot of storylines there. But to answer your question, Patrick, I think there's no doubt that offensive line, um, at least for me, is the biggest concern on the team. Yeah, I am wondering, and, and you know, I don't want to take anything away f- from Zen or Tegra. Those are two guys we haven't seen a ton of and not at the right tackle spot because Tegra was playing right guard last year and Zen was a backup at left tackle. But the way that the, the fact that there isn't a Paris Johnson, uh, you know, the, these guys that we knew were going to be ready to step in like we have in previous years, I wonder if they, they're going to have to hit the portal. And I know we've touched on this. Um, it, it opens after spring, but you know, it, it, this is an opportunity for those guys to show they don't have to, but I think that needs to be very, you can't just, you can't decide not to go after somebody in the portal. If there is an opportunity to get better there, just because you don't want to, you know, hurt the feelings of, of Zen or, or Tegra, right. uh, because I just think it's too important of a position, you know, either of the tackle sides, because I do think Josh Fryer will be good on either side. Uh, I know Ohio State's been a bit more willing to use the portal lately and, you know, the two defensive backs in particular, but you mentioned Victor Cutler too. I, I think you've got to make sure you have two strong tackles again and, and kind of, use the portal, so be it. And can I, can I raise my hand, teacher? Um, to further your point, um, I mean, they went after tackles in the portal. Yeah, right. Multiple. It's not like it was like, yeah, we're fine with tackle. We're good with what we have. We know they went after multiple offensive tackles in the portal. And I don't think they would have went after an interior lineman if Luke Whipler didn't go pro. Right. So it's not like, well, at least they got Vic Cutler. I'm I'm thrilled they got Vic Cutler because that they'd be in, in bad shape in the interior if they didn't have Vic Cutler. Um, but they they clearly felt like they needed another tackle. Now, maybe will one come on the market after spring? We'll see. How good will he be? I don't know. Will they be able to land him without promising him a starting spot? Who knows? That's well, a lot of people thought, you know, prevented them from landing some of those big tackles they were going after. Maybe other factors at play as well. So we'll see. There's also the the D tackle uh, tank uh, from uh, uh, Maryland who's transferring. It's not like he's like that great of a player, but you know, there might be. I guarantee you, some Ohio State players are going to transfer after spring. We see it every year. I don't think a lot, but let's say two or three. So they're going to have space. Why not try to bring in an offensive tackle? If not, if for the at the very least for depth, um, and maybe bring in a D tackle because right now they really only have five defensive tackles. Now they do have the kid coming in. Um, uh, McDonald is that his name? Is the big is it McKenzie? McKenzie's on the team now. Who's the big D tackle they have coming in this year? Anyway, they're going to have six D tackles on the team. Uh, I wouldn't mind having seven scholarship D tackles. I'm looking up his name right now. I love it because he's the kid from Georgia who's like a, a legit D tackle, like 330 pounds. Here I'm I'm looking it up right now. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like, Jaden McKenzie's still around. But, again, I think – I want to see Hero Canoe out there as a number three D tackle behind Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams as a starter. I want to see Hero Canoe out there as that number three D tackle. Then you got Ty Hamilton, veteran, Jaden McKenzie. And I'm finally looking up my guy here. Jaden uh, Let's see. Uh, yeah, McDonald. See, go with your first I, – I said McDonald first. Caden McDonald, about 330 pounds. 
Um, now, is he going to have a big impact as a true freshman? Probably not, but you never know. Uh, dog's going to bite. He's going to bite as a pup, right? So, um, again, though, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them bring in another D tackle. And certainly, they we know they want to. They need another offensive tackle. Will they be able to find one after spring? Remains to be seen. Flipping to the defensive, the defensive side, specifically the secondary. I thought it was interesting when Jim Knowles was asked about, I think it was the last question he was asked about what went wrong those final two games last year. Um, he loved he got, that question, didn't he? Yeah, he, he, he did not like that question. I mean, he didn't dislike it. He was right. just – He made a joke about it. Yeah, he yeah. was hoping to get out of there by talking about this team and not last year's team. Right. But, no, I think it was – I think Bill Rabinowitz when the Columbus Dispatch asked it, and I think it was a good time because – he did talk about it a little bit in February when we spoke with him, but now more time to kind of evaluate. And he's doing a lot of evaluation, it seems like. I think the the way that this defense evolves is going to be very important. And he touched on the fact that in his previous jobs, it took time to get the secondary to where they wanted it. Uh, I think this meshes in with what he said about the Jack and how they haven't had that yet. Now, maybe they don't need that at Ohio State because you have you play a four down defense, you have guys, but you know, eventually if they recruit guys towards the Jack position, maybe that changes things. But what did you make of Jim Knowles kind of answer that question about how, you know, there, there usually is some natural progression, but he also understands that they can't, you know, last year he was trying to teach the defense this year. He wants more good on good uh, to, to coach basically for those matchup games and not for, the games that you're you're probably going to win anyway. Yeah, he made it a point to say like we've got to do a better job, uh, you know, in practice of stopping our offense. You know, and he didn't say these exact words, but you know, basically, Ohio State has one of the top offenses in the country every year. Uh, if you can slow down Ohio State's offense in practice when they go good on good, pretty damn good chance you're going to slow down even a Georgia, certainly a Michigan that could throw the ball downfield last year until they did it against Ohio State. Um, I tend to think that was a little fluky. I know I'm an Ohio State guy saying that, but I still do. Uh, but Georgia wasn't fluky. That was just, I don't know what they were thinking. You know, I don't know what Knowles was thinking. I'm sure he's been kicking himself as we had a commenter point out. They came out, they mixed things up after halftime with zone. Stetson Bennett's all frustrated, and they go back to man. Um, I guess they at least they mixed things up. But once you mix things up and something's working, how to stick with it until they prove that they, uh, you know, can't beat you with it. So, um We'll see. I, I don't think they're going to use the jack that much this year. I think they're just going to go with the um, traditional four-down lineman. And then the depth at linebacker I'm not really concerned about because unless Tommy Eichenberg gets hurt, he's never leaving the field. And there'll be at least one other good linebacker. I think Steel Chambers proved he's a solid starting linebacker. If something happens to him, they have C.J. Hicks right there waiting. Um, Tommy Eichenberg coming back is absolutely huge. I thought there's a pro. I – didn't really have Whipler on my radar, but I was wondering about Tommy. Um, you know, I feel like if Tommy stays healthy, I think this defense is going to be phenomenal because I think JT Tumolau is going to take that next step. I think they finally have the D tackles. They're going to be playing the right amount of snaps. I mean, Teron Vincent led the D tackles and snaps by a wide margin last year. This year, theoretically, Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams will be playing the most amount of snaps. And I thought they were the best defensive tackles on the team last year. Tumolau, I think, is going to take that next step and be a star. Sawyer, I don't think is going to be a star this year, Patrick, but I think it's going to be a good starting defensive end. I like some of the young depth there with Kenyatta Jackson and Amari Abor and a guy we talked about earlier. I really like Caden Curry. Um, so we'll see what happens. And I like what they've got going on in the secondary. They've got depth dripping at safety and talent. 
And then a corner, not a lot of depth. Um, but, I mean, it's high-end talent at corner. I think there's no doubt Igba Newsom's going to be a starter today. For those that are wondering, Denzel Burke, who's been getting a lot of positive buzz during the offseason. Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock ran out there first, which is no surprise, even if you think Igba Newsom's going to be a starter like I do. His very first practice, he's not going to run out there as a starter probably. Um, I think Hancock, if he's not a starter, is still going to play a lot as a number three corner, which is what I think will happen. And then I, I like Jair Brown as the number four corner. You know, you got Ryan Turner as a redshirt freshman. You got Jermaine Matthews enrolled early as a, as a true freshman. And then you got Calvin Simpson Hunt coming in as a true freshman in June. Um, those are seven guys that are really good corners. Uh, not crazy depth, but better depth than last year, Patrick, when they only had six scholarship corners. Now they've got seven scholarship corners, and a lot of these guys are a year older. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I know that was a, a long answer to your question. I, I don't even know if I answered your question directly. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of questions on this defense. But year two of the Knowles era, I think that helps. Um, guys playing in the right spot, I think that helps. I think a guy like J Jihad Carter as a transfer is going to be an upgrade over a guy like Tanner McAllister, who is solid, but I think Carter's an upgrade. I like the corners a lot more this year. So um, you add it all up. I think they're going to be a legit top 10 defense this year. I know I'm going out on a limb there, but I really think they can be a legit top 10 defense this year. And it's not only year two of the Jim Knowles defense. It's year two of Tim Walton and Perry Eliano, who – you know, both were first time Ohio State coaches last year, too. So there was a lot of adjustment. And I think, you know, maybe we all got ahead of ourselves talking about this Ohio State defense early midway through the year just because of who they were playing. You know, Notre Dame didn't turn out to be much of an offense. Wisconsin didn't turn out to be much of an offense. Iowa was never an offense. So you know, it wasn't like they were supremely tested throughout the year. This year, I think they will be more tested. I think we will have a better idea, you know, as we hit the midpoint of the season, what this defense is. Uh, but I do think that that the fact that these three coaches have now been in the program, you know, we talk about it with players too, right? You come into a new program, whether you're a transfer, whether you're a guy out of high school, it does take a little bit. And these guys all had to, to learn the Jim Knowles defense as well. It's not like they all came together. So I think there, there's something to be said about that. Um, the, the one position maybe we haven't talked about just flipping back and forth, going to running back. I mentioned Mayan Williams was out there. I'm really interested in this running back room and we're not going to get answers this spring because Travion Henderson, even though he was in uniform and Evan Pryor are both out, but how do you, how do you figure out how to balance all these guys? You're going to have five guys who arguably could start at, most other programs and and that includes uh a guy like chip Trainum, who is now running back full-time look it's a big off season i think for some of the younger guys the dallin haydens of the world to to show what he can do but it's it's a good headache problem to have for tony alford right yeah i mean i i i think that's going to be a very good situation obviously they were hit hard with injuries last year um you know, Evan Pryor had the season-ending injury, and then Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams got banged up early and just were hurt throughout the season. Um, you know, the, the good news was Dallin Hayden overperformed, you know, the, his expectations as a true freshman. I, I don't think many people even thought he'd see the field as a true freshman, and he certainly did not look out of place. Is he going to be a superstar um, here at a school with uh, one of the best traditions in college football at running back? We shall see, but I liked what I saw a lot as a true freshman. And, you know, as someone mentioned in the comments, they heard that uh, 
he had bulked up. He has. He's up to 203 pounds. He was listed at 195 last year. Um, so a solid 203 now. This is the spring for Dallin Hayden and Chip Traynham. Because uh, you're right, with Mayan Williams, like it's great that he's fully healthy. Um, and But you know what you have in Mayan Williams. If Mayan Williams is healthy, you know what you have. He's entering his fourth year. Um, so now's the time for Dallin Hayden and uh, Chip Traynham to you know get a lot of reps this spring. And they did a good job, just like they did last year, getting T.C. Caffey. Uh, as a preferred walk-on, a guy had that had offers, you know, from Mac schools and whatnot um, to get him to walk on. They might have gotten an even better one if you just go by. Um, and TC Caffey unfortunately had the, the torn ACL and is missing spring, and who knows what his status is going to be. Same thing with Evan Pryor. I'm assuming, like we all are, that Evan Pryor is going to play this year. But how soon is he going to play? How effective is he going to play coming off that torn ACL? You just never know. But I think Evan Pryor um, will be in the mix this year. But they, Patrick, they got a walk-on from. Maslin named Will Hartson, who is fantastic. And he had offers from like, like legit D1 programs. He had offers from like Mac schools too, but he had offers from like other D1 programs. I have to look it up. Uh, and they have him as a walk-on and he's enrolled early. Number 30 in your program, Will Hartson from Maslin. Yeah, we're talking about walk-on running backs. And real quick, I want to get into this because I feel like we're almost bare. We've talked about it a little bit, but I feel like we're burying the lead a little bit with quarterbacks. Um Got a chance to ask Devin Brown because obviously we joked around. You know, I think someone even asked Jim Knowles. You know, uh, our friend Gerd. Uh, well, I think it was Gerd, right? Asked our asked uh, asked Jim Knowles like, so who's gonna be, who's who's your prediction to be the starting quarterback? Which is hilarious. Uh, nobody asked Ryan Day that, but I asked uh, Devin Brown not his prediction who's gonna be the starter, but I did ask Devin Brown, hey, what has Ryan Day told you guys, you and Kyle, going into spring about the pecking order? Has he said one's ahead of the other? It's equal. It's, you know, and then we'll just see how the chips fall from there. And Devin Brown said, yes, he said, it's, it's equal. You guys are going to share reps. It's we're going into spring equal. Now I tend to think I want to get your take on this. So I think that's important to point out to the listeners and viewers that um, Devin Brown's saying that Ryan Day's telling them um, it's an equal opportunity going into spring. Um, oh, and Devin Brown was asked if for some reason you're told after spring that Kyle's the guy, would you look to transfer? He said, absolutely not. I'm a Buckeye to the core, which I thought was really cool. Nice. Now, first of all, Ryan Day's not going to be, you know, Ryan Day's a smart guy. He's not going to be dumb enough to be like, yeah, Kyle's my guy and, and risk Devin transferring. But I like Devin's answer there. He's so charismatic. Um, but I do feel like Kyle McCord is going to be the starter. I'll be surprised if he's not. And this is coming from a guy who I love Devin Brown. I, I think he's just, there's something special about him as a young man. But I think, Kyle McCord, I think, I think he might be a little underrated by Buckeye fans. He's got that start under his belt. He's got the year of experience. Ryan Day handpicked him over J.J. McCarthy. Again, I, I love Devin Brown, and if he has to play, I believe in him. Um, but I do think Kyle McCord will be the starter. But I did find it interesting that, you know, Ryan Day's telling these guys, it's dead even going into spring, boys. Let's see where the chips fall. Yeah, I, I mean, it is interesting to hear that. I'm not sure I believe it entirely. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, what we saw was Kyle McCord take nearly all of the, the first snaps. Now it's day one. You know, I wouldn't read into that too much, but I do think that shows you, look, this is a guy who, as you just said, Dave, he started a game at Ohio State. He has thrown touchdown passes. He, you know, he is well ahead of where CJ Stroud was, not only in terms of years of experience, because he's been in the program two years, but he's actually played and, and done some things on the field. So, look, I'm not ready to say – I know you just said you think it'll be Kyle McCord. I'm not ready to say either way. 
I want to see more of these guys, but I definitely think just based on that experience alone, CJ, or, uh, sorry, Kyle McCord starts the spring with, you know, however far ahead you want to, you want to do it feet, millimeters, whatever. Uh, I think he is at least a little bit ahead here to start things. What do you make of McCord's demeanor? I feel like personality of a quarterback is so important because you are the leader of the football team. I mean, there's the head coach and there's the quarterback. And um, I don't know what to make of it. I don't, I don't know because Devin Brown is so charismatic and just so just, you know, um, you can just tell how, how his teammates might gravitate toward him. And I feel like McCord, even though he has this, you know, he's not, he's not charismatic, I still feel like he's a good leader. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. The proof's going to be in the pudding. But I'm curious to get your take on this. McCord's very serious. He's got a very serious demeanor, doesn't joke around a lot. But, you know, he also can get lighthearted at times when someone was asking about, you know, people um, saying that Devin's the mobile guy and you're the statue guy. He didn't, they didn't say statue, but you're the pocket quarterback. Do you ever get it, you know, think your mobility is a little underrated and he kind of smiled and joked. So it's not like he's like completely stoic. Um, but he's got a very serious demeanor, not very charismatic, but that doesn't mean you can't be a great leader. Like you go out there and you know, you're one of those, like Tommy Eichenberg's a great example. He's the leader of the defense. You couldn't be any less charismatic than Tommy Eichenberg, but I tell you what, he's as tough as they come. And when he talks, everybody listens. What do you make of McCord's demeanor? And do you believe in him as a leader of a football team? Here's my read. I think that Kyle McCord is one of those guys that is one way when he's talking to us and another way when he's with his teammates. And, and here's an example. When we were at, uh, when we were down in Atlanta at, for media days at, uh, at, at the college football playoff, I was standing there talking to another guy. Another reporter was, was answering questions and sitting off to the side was Kyle McCord with, I forget who was sitting next to him. And I watched as reporters came up and he got, you know, sat up in his chair and, and answered questions and then guys would walk away and, and he'd be joking with the guy sitting next. It was like, it was almost like two different people. And I think he just realizes, you know, the, the business time, look, the cameras are on or the microphone's on or whatever. I got to be serious. And like you said, if, and, and the video's up on our YouTube page, if you want to watch any of the guys from today, but Kyle McCord in particular, there were times when, you know, he, he was asked a question and I know at one point he was starting to take a drink of water and just kind of had to pull it away. So he didn't drink the water and, you know, was laughing about something. And so I think he has that side to him. I just think he, he doesn't bring it out as much around us than, uh, than to his teammates. Now you're right. Him and Devin Brown, definitely different people in terms of who can lead the, the offense, lead the team. I don't know if, I don't know if that matters as much depending on the team that you have. Now, I think some teams may respond better to a guy who is is more upfront about who he is all the time, uh, but I think other teams may may gravitate towards a, a different kind of guy. So I think that's one of the things that we probably don't talk about enough, and probably because we haven't had some of these really legit quarterback competitions. Is you know it's not yeah it's going to be a guy who can throw the ball down the field and make the plays and whatnot, but when it comes to that leadership aspect, the team and, and how they respond to a guy it's sometimes a bigger deal than actually just the guy's leadership. I mean, if you think back to JT Barrett's freshman year when he was redshirting and like the team just loved him. And obviously you know what JT Barrett meant to this team as a leader down the road, but that didn't mean that Braxton Miller still wasn't the leader of the, of the offense. 
it was just they did it in very different ways and, and the team responded a little bit to JT. So um, I, to answer your question, Dave, I'm not sure it matters entirely, but I do think that, that Kyle can be a bit different than when the camera's on. Yeah, I, that's I like that. You know, I like that. And I, I totally believe that. That's a, I, I get a good feeling because I wasn't sure what to make of it at first. So again, I, I believe in that. It's not the most important thing, but like quarterback is unlike anything in sports, really. And it's so important just and there's so many different ways to be a great leader. Um, I agree with with your take. I think Kyle McCord has what it takes to be a great leader. Everybody can do it different just because you're not the most charismatic guy to the media doesn't mean you're not in there with your boys in the locker room getting as charismatic as possible. So uh, uh, you see it all the time in sports. People talk about it. Even hear about it, but like I'll give an example that might surprise people if they haven't heard this. I've heard people swear by this. Bill Belichick, if you get him like with his friends, like behind closed doors, is actually hilarious and actually has a great personality. I know, right? Nobody believes that. Like, no, everybody who knows him well says it's true that he's funny he's fun to hang out with. And then you would never know that why, by the way, he talks to the media. So, um, yeah. but as a media guy, I'm fully aware that, uh, not necessarily what we see is what we get, but, um, yeah, I, I I'm with you. I, I believe in Kyle McCord. And again, I can't stress this enough. I, I believe in Devin Brown too. And I believe whoever wins this competition is going to have a very good year. I'm not saying they're going to be a Heisman finalist, but I think they're going to have a very good year as a starting quarterback in their first year. One thing I thought, I spent, I haven't gone back and listened to Devin Brown. I was over with Kyle McCord getting video. He was asked, I don't even know what the question was, but I think it was just about being in the pocket and his pocket presence. He was asked uh, about that. And he said, he spent a lot of time this off season studying your guy, Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes. Uh, he listed two or three others, NFL guys, top, you know, top NFL guys. And I thought that was interesting. Just they're different kinds of guys. I mean, Burrow does it different than Mahomes who does it, you know, so he's looking at a number of different guys in terms of the way they handle the pocket and manipulate the pocket. And I'll be interested to see how that translates into his game as we get to watch him a little bit more, because those guys aren't a, aren't a bad group to watch the, some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he should emulate everything Joe Burrow ever did other than transfer to LSU. (laughs) That's fair. Though it did work well, out. But, but not be drafted first overall by the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, in college, you know what I mean? Like, you know, because I think the Bengals are going to be okay at quarterback for a while. And they're not going to have the first pick of the draft for a long, long time. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else that you that stuck out to you that we didn't touch on? Because I, I wanted to just kind of go over a little bit of everything because it was a really busy first day. We, I, I made a list here and we, we touched on everything. I, I'll mention one more thing. It was great catching up with Braxton Miller today. Oh, yeah. I, I go by and I, I see a hand out to shake my hand. I look and I'm like, I know I recognize this as I'm shaking his hand. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Braxton Miller, because he's wearing these cool glass, almost like sunglasses ish. But here's the big thing. And he even said it like his hair's long now. It's, it, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It looks but Braxton looks great. It was great talking to him. He's an absolute legend. I think, you know, some fans don't forget. But like, man, if he doesn't get his shoulder just destroyed in that 2013 um, Orange Bowl 2013 season. Who knows? Braxton is an absolute legend. He was mentoring young quarterbacks. We brought them to practice with him today. So great seeing Braxton there. And um, yeah, man, we have a quarterback battle on our hand. Nothing's more fun in, in, in football than a than a nice quarterback competition. I think it's going to be Kyle McCord, but I'm not betting on it because I I believe in Devin Brown too. So no, man, I don't think we left anything on the table. But as you said, 
It was great being out there today. Fantastic. It was fantastic being out there today. I'm going to keep being like a kid in the candy store. I recommend everybody does this. The new roster fresh, hot and fresh out the kitchen. You can get on our site and read it. I believe it's on Ohio State's official site. It, I love seeing the new numbers, the new heights and weights, everything. Um, when I say height, people are like, new height? What are you talking about? Well, Jordan Hancock apparently shrunk. He went from 6'1 last year. He's now six foot even. So I don't know why Jordan Hancock's like a grandma. He's, he somehow is shrinking. He's now six foot. Uh, so anyway, but this is what I'm going to be doing is perusing the depth chart and, or excuse me, the new roster. Cause I absolutely love it. Patrick, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, Dave, thanks for doing this. Um, you will be there on Thursday. So Dave will bring you all the coverage from Thursday when we, they will again get to watch some of practice and interviews. What is it? Linebackers that we're talking to on Thursday. Oh, we're getting well. We're getting we're getting Coach Hartline. Hartline. That's the main one, and I think I think you're right. Is it linebackers? And that's that's the only that the only group we're getting. I'm just I'm just throwing off here because I'm looking. We had a commenter say Mike Hall still listed at 285. Yeah, he is. Mike Hall is still listed at 285. But there's that guy from Pitt that went to the combine and tore it up. I'm not talking about Aaron Donald. I'm talking about like this past no, combine. Um, Aaron Donald too. But if you're 285 in college, it's still young in your career. That's and you're super quick and strong and have strong hands like Mike Hall. I'm okay with Mike Hall being 285. And I'm a guy that likes my floppy belly DTs. Um, Tyleek Williams is listed at 320, was listed at 315 last year. I like that. But um, I'm sorry, Patrick. No, you're good. Anyway, Dave will be out there Thursday. Steve and I'll be in Chicago for however short of or long. The Buckeyes last in the Big Ten tournament, probably shorter rather than longer, but we won't go into that. Um, Dave, they'll follow you for coverage on Thursday. Steve and I will still be helping out. We'll just be doing it from a distance. Dave, thanks for hopping on. Another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'll talk to you soon. All right, and we're just going to wrap it up here. I think we covered – I thought I'd talk for my with myself for a while here, but I think we covered pretty much everything on there, so – if you miss anything, we've got stuff already up on Bucknuts. There'll be plenty of more on there. There's the initial practice report, which if you're a VIP member, you can you can dive into way more that, that Dave did on that. Steve's already posted Ryan Day's video. I'll have some stuff up here shortly in addition to this if you missed any of the podcasts. Please, if, if you're on YouTube, Facebook, whichever it is, if you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I assume most of you do, and that's how you jumped on here watching this live. But if you're listening after the fact, Facebook, like our, our Facebook page. We post a lot of content on there as well. So we appreciate all that. And uh, thanks for tuning in to this, I won't say emergency edition, or, or it just usually we do this later in the week. But first day of Buckeye spring practice, we thought it was important to, to get some reactions, some thoughts out there. And so we, we brought you an earlier in the week happy hour. Anyway, Buckeye fans, Bucknutters, cheers and have a good day. talking about if i'm gonna go to lynn human i like it i love it it's original and heartfelt Ta-da! and the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family it's just so exciting if ready pg now playing in theaters